miraculously, at the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Then Jesus gets in a boat, or pardon me, the disciples get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus walks on the water to his disciples in the night, then gets in the boat. The boat arrives at the other side. The next day, the people are like, where did Jesus go? They didn't know. But they knew that his disciples had gotten in the boat and went to the other side. And I guess they figured, well, eventually Jesus is bound to meet back up with his disciples wherever it is that he went. So let's go to the other side also. Evidently, this is not the whole crowd because there's no way that they would have had enough boats to transport 5,000 people across the sea in boats. So this is a subset of those who had been there when Jesus had miraculously fed the people the day before. And we remember that that miraculous feeding was not just sort of a magic trick or like, you know, pull, pull a card from the deck and I'll tell you what it is. It wasn't something like that. It wasn't just a mildly interesting supernatural feat. It was him providing something that was extremely needful and of which there was not a reliable supply chain at that time. Bread that people needed to live, which wasn't just available down at the supermarket, but which had to be uh, grown, had to, had to be, uh, pardon me, the, the grain, the wheat had to be grown, the bread had to be produced, etc., etc. They were very much dependent on the climate, changing factors, etc. So Jesus was doing something here showing, listen, I can, I can give you life. That was what was signified by the sign of giving that bread. The act of giving bread to these people was meant to testify to something greater. Namely, that Jesus can give them life. There's that saying, teach a man to give a man a fish and he will eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will eat for a lifetime. The bread that Jesus gave them the day before literally just fed them for one meal or one day. If they would but come to Jesus, they would find that even though they die, yet shall they live. That they would have everlasting life in Christ Jesus. And so there is a sign and there is that which is signified. There is perishable food, which it goes in one end and comes out the other. And then there is imperishable food, which is Jesus, who himself ever lives to make intercession for his people. And consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God by faith in him. He is the imperishable bread. These people arrive on the other side of the lake or the sea, as it's called here the next day and they find Jesus and we remember at the end of John chapter 2 it says that Jesus needed no one to testify to him about man for he himself knew what was in man in John chapter 3 we see him cut to the heart with Nicodemus bypassing the pleasantries and getting to the real issue in John chapter 4 we see him doing it again with the woman at the well in John chapter 5 we see him doing it with the invalid by the pool at Bethsaida. And in John chapter 6 here, we see him doing it with these people. Because they just came across the lake, 
and said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And he says, I know why you're here. He knows what is in man. And he's getting to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of their heart. Jesus is rebuking here in verses 26 and 27 an attitude, a heart motivation. And that's going to be the focus of our message this morning. Verses 22 to 25 are basically preliminary. They're basically just explanatory, in some sense incidental, just showing us how we arrive at this encounter between Jesus and these people who have come following Him across the lake. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking Me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now this can't mean that they hadn't literally seen the sign with their physical eyes, for they had. Look back at verse 14. When the people saw the sign that He had done, they said... Etc., etc. So obviously they had seen it with their physical eyes. These people who are here before Jesus now on the other side of the lake were from among those who had been there and seen with their physical eyes the sign that had been done, which was that Jesus gave the people bread. And so the sense of this has to be you are seeking me not because you perceive the true meaning of the sign and have come to acquire that which was signified but rather you're just trying to get more bread. That's the sense of it here. You're not here looking for that which was signified, you're just here looking for more bread. You are merely looking for another loaf of literal, physical bread. That's why you're here. I know that's why you're here. This is an indictment. This is a rebuke. This is like the way we might confront a friend who calls only when they need something. Months go by, and then the phone rings. And like, oh, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing? I just thought I'd give you a call and check on you. Oh, good. Great to hear from you. Everything's nice. Da, 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 da. Yeah, hey, listen, like, could I borrow some money? Or, or listen, like, I've, I've found this new product, and if you become a seller of this new product, then you're going to profit, and then, you know, I'll profit too, and you, you understand. We know those people. Every now and then they phone, and there's always a reason why they phone. They really are, they, first of all, they are not after you. They're after what you have to give them. They are devaluing your person, because they would literally rather have your money than you. So to them, right, implicitly, your money is more valuable than you. They don't want you. When, they, when their bank accounts were all right, they weren't phoning you. Let's be honest, they don't want you. They only want your money. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Is that, listen, you guys literally are just following me to get bread. You don't want me. You're just literally following me to get bread. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 4 says, Wealth brings many new friends. All of a sudden, somebody comes into some money somehow, whether through an inheritance, lottery winnings, job promotion, whatever. 
all of a sudden everybody, every old friend from school wants to get in touch. Wealth brings many new friends. So does multiplying loaves and fishes. Evidently. If you go out there and multiply some loaves and fishes, you're going to have many new friends. Of these sort. This is the kind of people that these are who have come to find Jesus on the other side of the lake. This is what is meant in verse 26 where Jesus says, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You literally just want more bread. There are a lot of so-called Christians who are like this, you know? And the, the people that I'm about to describe are actually not Christians. They are cultural Christians, but they are not Christians by any biblical definition of the word. They are the Christians who will take Christian on the census. They are the Christians who will be in church on Easter and on Christmas. They are the Christians... Who will be there when you're having a deliverance service and something is going wrong in their lives? When you're having a healing service and they or a loved one is sick? When you are having a fellowship meal? (laughs) These Christians don't want Jesus. They do not want Jesus. That's why they're not there week in and week out. Look, Jesus is here being served up, so to speak, if I may say that reverently, every week. The bread of life is being served every week. Where are you the other 50 weeks of the year? Where are you the other 50 Sundays? Where are you when we don't have a fellowship meal? Listen, you don't want the bread of life. You just want a loaf of bread. You don't want the bread of life. You just want to be healed from whatever malady you have. You just want to be free Not from sin, but from whatever specific sin is causing you and your family discomfort. The sins that cause you comfort are no problem to you. The sins that you're comfortable in are no problem to you. So when you come for deliverance from the demon of such and such a sin, you're not actually trying to get holiness and God. You're actually just trying to get free from the discomfort of whatever this is that's bothering you. So you don't hunger for holiness, but when your teenage kid rebels and is causing your family all kinds of problems, oh, now you're at the deliverance services. You don't really hunger for holiness, otherwise you'd be there every Sunday, trying to repent of every sin. The ones, not only the ones you don't like, but the ones you do like. You'd be saying, this doesn't please the Lord and I want to be delivered from this too. But that's not what you're doing. You're absent every Sunday until a particular thing that just, it just really coincidentally happens to be sin. And all of a sudden now you want to be free from it because it's making your life and your family's life inconvenient. You don't really want Jesus. You just want what he can give you. That's just cultural Christianity. That's just, that's just jumping on the bandwagon. The way that people jump on the bandwagon of a sports team when they're making a good run. Where were they last year? Where will they be next year? But all of a sudden this year, everybody's a fan. This is how it was with Jesus, you know? When He started going around healing people, multiplying the loaves and the fish, all of a sudden everybody wants to follow Jesus. 
all of a sudden they're about to come and take him by force as it says in John chapter 6 and verse 15 and make him king all of a sudden because Jesus is doling out freebies you can get some merch you can get some swag if you follow Jesus this is all that's going on here These people come and find Jesus on the other side of the lake. Jesus says in verse 26, Not because you understood and perceived what was signified by the sign. That's not why you're here. You literally are here just to get more bread. That's it. I know what is in man. Jesus needed no one to testify about what was in man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus is cutting to the heart of the matter right here with these people. Showing them that they are really not after Him. They are really just after what He can give them. But it's interesting. Jesus doesn't hang up the phone or ignore the call like we might be tempted to when it's that friend who only calls when they want something. Instead... Jesus picks up the phone, as it were, and gives them more and better than what they had been asking for. Jesus doesn't actually rebuke them for wanting bread. He actually offers them, here in this passage, better bread. That's the response of Jesus to these people. Verse 26, He says, I know what you're after. But in verse 27, He says, I can do you one better. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You see what Jesus does there? He goes, look, I know how sinful you are. I know how twisted your heart, I know how perverted your heart, that you would literally try to use me to get what you want. But listen, let me give you more than you're even asking for right now. Let me give you better bread than you even want. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, is, this sounds so much like John chapter 4 and verse 14 where Jesus says, Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again here, Jesus is just saying the same thing in different ways to these people as He said to the woman by the well. I can change your relationship with God such that you are satisfied. That feeling of thirst that you have will be quenched. That feeling of hunger that you have will be satiated. And it will lead to eternal life. I believe it was Karl Marx that said religion is the opiate of the masses. And what he meant by that, it's going to give us an illusory feeling of well-being, but really it's doing nothing lasting for us. Jesus doesn't say, I have something here to numb your pain. He says here, I have something that will satisfy you now and will lead to eternal life. In other words, it's not illusory. It's lasting. It's real. It's tangible, not perishable bread and not illusory bread. Imperishable bread, which is eternal bread. It is not us. It is not us 
who are using drugs. It is the unbelieving world which is taking the opium, so to speak. Because what the unbelieving world is, at, is after is perishable bread. What the unbelieving world is after is things which do not last, which do not ultimately satisfy hunger, which do not ultimately quench thirst, but which do produce a temporary sense of well-being. That's a drug. That's the opium of the masses. Irreligion is the opiate of the masses. Everything outside of Christ Jesus is the opiate of the masses. Because with Jesus, you're not ultimately after the sign, but that which is signified, which is so much better. And so you're not busy chasing temporal, fleeting things. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25 that Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy, you know it, the fleeting pleasures of sin. I often quote Paul Washer very favorably. I have tremendous respect for him. But I heard him recently say something which I disagree with. He said, sin is not pleasurable even for a moment. And he said, he said, he hates it when he hears preachers say that because he said his whole line of thinking was that when you're regenerate, you get a new nature that hates sin and loves righteousness. And so sin won't be pleasurable even for a moment to the, unre- to the, re- pardon me, to the regenerate person, to the person born again. And he said, he said, take, take vomit and pour it down your throat. Is that pleasurable even for a moment? Well, obviously not in that case, but I think that's a very poor analogy. Because even in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25, we have a biblical basis for saying that there are at least fleeting pleasures attached to sin. But the point is that they are fleeting. The point is that there is something better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin are perishable food, so to speak. Not the bread of life. The fleeting pleasures of sin give you a temporary sense of well-being. As the people who ate the multiplied loaves and fishes had a temporary sense of well-being. And the next day sought Jesus out to have a temporary sense of well-being again. That's not a religious impulse, that's an irreligious impulse. Not looking for Jesus, but looking for temporary gratification. Short-term pleasure, short-term sustenance, pursuing that which does not ultimately satisfy, day by day, just looking for another loaf of bread. People that live like that are like the people in this text. Day by day, they just try to find what will satisfy them today. They're just after bread. And some people look for it irreligiously in things that are explicitly sinful or in things that are just like family values. But it's nothing to do with Christ Jesus. 
But some people express that same impulse in a what appears to be a religious manner. By looking to Jesus for these temporary fleeting things. As I said, they're there on Christmas and Easter so that they can think of themselves as respectable religious people. They're there when they have a deliverance service or a healing service or a fellowship meal or whatever. But really all thereafter, they don't want Jesus. They just want temporary fleeting things. They don't care about that which was signified by the bread. They only want the bread. And Jesus in this passage doesn't rebuke them for being hungry. He doesn't rebuke them for being thirsty. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to get something from Him. He simply says, I can give you something so much better than that which you are seeking from Me today. I can give you better than multiplying loaves and fish again today. Look past that which is perishable to that which is imperishable. Look past the sign to that which is signified. He goes on to say, I am the bread of life, which we will touch on their response a little more last week. But this is the whole theme of chapter 6. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You hungry? Listen. You need, you need more from me than just having me multiply the loaves and the fish again like I did yesterday. You need more from me than just a, a healing service or a deliverance service. You need more from me than just a temporary fleeting satisfaction. You need more, more from me than just something to gratify your senses for the next few hours. Let me give you myself. I am the bread of life. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Let me give you better bread. This is the way Jesus deals with these people in this passage. So gracious. He doesn't just hang up the phone knowing that they don't want him, they just want his stuff. He says, Listen, you want a hundred dollars? Let me give you ten million, so to speak. Listen, you you're underestimating me when you phone me and ask me for a hundred dollars. I can do so much better for you. This is something like what Jesus says here in this passage. Would you really would you really like to have just more loaves and fish multiplied? Or would you like to have bread which when I give you you shall never hunger again? Verse 35. And it's not just an illusory sense of well-being while you're dying. It's not, it's not an opiate of the masses. It's not just morphine to kill the pain while you're in palliative care. You will be satisfied, but it leads to eternal life. It's lasting. It's not illusory. It's not temporary. It's not fleeting. Wouldn't you like that instead? This is the way Jesus responds to these people. 
you think that what you need most is a loaf of bread and I'm the huckster that can provide it for you today and if I don't you'll leave and go somewhere else to someone who will listen it's as if Jesus must have been thinking about his mission to this world when these people came. These people think I came down from heaven to multiply loaves and fish for them. I came to deny myself the fleeting pleasures of sin every minute of every day for that. To withstand the temptation of the enemy unlike the first Adam for them. I came to obey the Father to do His will for them. And then after my race is run Though I don't deserve it, I will die for them. I will hang on that cross and bear in myself the wrath of God that they deserve for them. But death will not hold me. On the third day, I will rise for them. They will be raised. In the same manner as I am raised. And I'm going to go and prepare a place for them that where I am, there they may be also. And I will return in the same manner that they see me go. That the dwelling place of God shall be with men. This is what I came for. And here they are, just asking me, to multiply loaves and fish again. But you can see the grace and the compassion of Jesus to these people who so woefully underestimate Him. Let me give you something better. Come to me. Receive me. I am the bread of life. You can see the grace and the compassion of Jesus to these people. And I want to proclaim the grace and compassion of Jesus to you. You're just after another loaf of bread, day by day. You have thirsts that you're just busy trying to quench, day by day. Hungers that you're just busy trying to satiate every day. What have you eaten that has quenched your, that has satisfied your hunger? What have you drunk that has quenched your thirst? None but Jesus can satiate. None but Jesus can quench. But look to Him in faith. Believe that He lived the perfect life that you never could have. That He died the death on the cross that you deserved by rights to die yourself. Believe in Him and you will enter into a new relationship with God, which is 
deeply and profoundly satisfying. And not in the way that drugs are deeply and profoundly satisfying for a time, but then wear off and you need to look for another high. Jesus is food that endures to eternal life. You will find in Him not an opiate for the masses, but a lasting satisfaction. Certain foods, I'm sure you have noticed, stick with you better than others. Certain things you eat at 7 o'clock in the morning, and by 9.30 your stomach's growling and you need to take something else. Other foods you eat at 7, and by the time lunchtime rolls around, you hardly feel hungry. You have to force yourself to eat something else. Not all food is equally satisfying. And Jesus teaches here in this passage that He satisfies lastingly. So He doesn't rebuke them, actually, for being hungry. He doesn't rebuke them for coming to them for bread. He rebukes them, actually, for coming for mere bread. This is like a C.S. Lewis quote where C.S. Lewis said, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're like children playing in mud puddles in the slums, not knowing what is meant by a vacation at the sea. We fool around with money and drink and ambition and sex when in Christ and His gospel, infinitely better is offered to us. This is the sense of Jesus' dealings with these people here. He finds their desires not too strong, like, no, you guys are too... I can't handle these passions of hunger. Tone it down. Use self-control. Don't be hungry. Deny yourself. This is not Jesus' response here in this particular case. Jesus' response isn't like, no, you shouldn't be seeking satisfaction. Jesus is like, I can satisfy you better than merely multiplying loaves and fish could do. I myself, my person, I will give myself to you as the bread of life. And I will be more satisfying to you than any of this could be. Those who are in church at Christmas and Easter, healing services, deliverance services, fellowship meals, but none other... (laughs) They're not asking too much from Jesus. And we're like, no, 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 don't ask so much of Him. Just come for the boring old Sunday by Sunday. That's not, that's not the tone of it at all. It's like you're actually not asking enough of Jesus. Because you're treating Jesus like He's just a magician there to do little tricks for you. You, you grossly underestimate what Jesus can do for you. What Jesus can do for your family. You think that He can just bail you out of this temporary discomfort that you're in. When the reality is that Jesus can reconcile you to God. Change your relationship with Him. Such that you are satisfied now. And receive eternal life in the hereafter. Perhaps Jesus is not removing the discomfort that you're feeling in your body due to your sickness. Perhaps Jesus is not removing the discomfort that you're feeling in your family 
because of somebody's behavior that coincidentally happens to be sin. Perhaps Jesus is not removing these things, not because He's unable, but because He's unwilling to let you think that He's a magician there to pull a rabbit out of the hat whenever you so feel like it. That He's unwilling to allow Himself to be degraded, to condescend, to gratiate a pursuit of Him that's predicated on those sorts of things that grossly underestimates Him. Perhaps He is wooing you to something far better. Look at the mess sin is making in your life. Look at the mess sin has made of this world, including the sickness of your bodies. Look to me, the one who can deal with the root cause. Not just the fruits, but the root. At the cross, Jesus bore the wrath that we deserved after offering up a sinless life. God said to Adam, because of you, the ground is cursed. It's as if he says to the second Adam, it's all going to be undone because of you. So that we have personal salvation as well as in the end, the anticipation of the restoration of all things. One day the world will be as it should be, as it ought to be. In fact, better, I was going to say as it was meant to be, but even better than it was meant to be in the beginning. Don't just settle for a little healing here and now. Don't just settle for a deliverance from one particular sin that happens to be causing your family some discomfort. Pursue Christ and in Him holiness and in Him the hope of our bodies one day being well and being with Him in that place where there's no more sickness, sadness, sorrow, pain, so on and so forth. Don't settle for the opium of a little fix here and now from Jesus, which you're just going to have to chase again tomorrow. Pursue lasting satisfaction, not in the isolated individual acts that Jesus may do for you, that you think He might do for you. Pursue lasting satisfaction in the person of Jesus Himself. It's not wrong to want to be satisfied, but today He heals you of this, Tomorrow you're going to be sick with something else again. Listen, everybody, all these apostles parading themselves around, strutting themselves around, talking about how they're doing it after the apostolic pattern and after Jesus' pattern in His earthly ministry. Well, listen, let's not overlook this point. Everybody Jesus healed and everybody the apostles healed died. Not one of them is walking around here and now. And so this talk of like, you know, you're always just healthy. Well, nobody's like 2,000 years old. So eventually, even these people got sick and died. Their bodies wore out and died. You just don't get the perpetual preservation of the body here and now, even if Jesus heals you. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So stop even those things. Even those things. Should God do them for you? are signs in themselves of something greater. So stop seeking the sign and start seeking that which is signified. Stop seeking perishable bread. Things that satisfy for a little while but don't satisfy forever. 
even healings, even deliverance from a particular sin. Let's say that God brings your rebellious teenager to a more restrained rebellion that eases the discomfort on your family. You go to a deliverance service and all of a sudden, okay, well, he's still not a believer, but at least he's not causing us the grief that he was two months ago. Well, if it's not, if it's not that then, then it's going to be something else later. Relief from one particular sin is not going to fix every problem that you have or every problem that your family has. A deliverance service whereby is the demon of lying or whatever is supposedly cast out. It's not going to fix all your problems. Everybody needs to stop underestimating what Jesus can do, will do, what is offered in the gospel. Everybody needs to stop just selling God short by putting him on posters as if he's a huckster of, of cheap tricks and temporary satisfaction and temporary gratification. Jesus came to do something far better than what a lot of these people out here are promoting and what a lot of these people out here are seeking. Frankly, some of us are seeking the same sorts of things. Jesus here responds with grace, with compassion, even when people are misguided along these lines. Stop looking for that which is fleeting. Look for that which lasts. Stop looking for signs and start looking for that which is signified. Stop looking for a loaf of bread and come to me. I am the bread of life which endures to eternal life.